0: Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers. welcome to episode forty eight, I believe now, Pete, of Stranger and Cinema. You're here with Paul Anderson and my co-host Pete Wall. All right. How are you? Yeah, not bad, man. And also,
1: we should mention here with one Jack Mills, the producer of this show, who's been on board for a few episodes, had to miss the last one that we did, but is right now back in the saddle, uh, fiddling around with a load of buttons that we don't
0: understand. And what you may have heard is some music that just Yeah, if things uh, have
1: gone well, you might
0: have heard an intro to this show. Would you you believe it? Just 48 short short episodes
1: in, we've actually got a bit of music, so it doesn't sound like a sort of tumbleweed intro to the show. We might even
0: have some more music as the show goes on, Pete, which is very, I'm very excited to, to see where this goes yeah. hopefully I mean Jack's on board to add a bit of uh much-needed polish to our show. I a bit think of that milsy flavour. So, um, yes.
1: We're also joined by some errant seagulls today. So if you hear like a flock of seagulls overhead, that's probably part of the soundboard, or it could just be where we are. So basically, yeah, we, so we had
0: two options. We either sit in the room and sweat profusely, or we risk some seagulls getting involved. So rather than sweating profusely, yeah, we've gone not, with not un- the seagull option.
1: Not unlike Jacob Tremblay and Brie Larson, we're essentially in one room that has only a skylight to uh, escape from. And uh, yeah, that is where we're getting any of our oxygen. So yeah, we... We kind of needed that to get through the show without sweating into a just pool of mush on the floor by the end of it. So, um, yeah, those of you who've listened to the show before know that we've got a format. There's a tiny tweak today in the fact that we're going to um, forego the coming attractions section, just trying out a bit more of a streamlined show. Uh, hopefully that will benefit everybody listening to the show as well as ourselves we're going to come at you with the in the foyer section that you know and love Uh, we're just going to talk about something significant in the world of films then we're going to take a little break then we're going to come back and we're going to have the uh, popcorn movie section where we go through the movies that we've been watching recently one more break and then finally we'll get into our two feature reviews this week Paul what are we going to do for features this week uh,
0: we've got Okja which I'm very very excited this to is talk Bong Joon about. Ho we've yep. been talking about it for a while uh, and also uh, Baby Driver which I'm also very excited to talk about in fairness so Ed- Ed- I think it's Edgar Wright's a, latest joint it's been an exciting uh, an exciting week you can probably te- have an idea by the fact that I'm excited to talk about what I thought but anyway we'll get hear into the that excitement in on, that, on. that man's so, yeah. voice you guys yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah but yeah we're definitely looking forward to those two feature reviews at the end of the show we'll just set homework because we always do things that we're going to watch in the next week. Um, we'll include our homework reviews from last week in the popcorn movie section this time round. Paul, as per usual, you've come up with a cracker of uh, a top, What well, I shouldn't get too enthusiastic about this, top is quite uh, sombre yes, really, yes. Yeah, for, in the foyer this week, but what was it you wanted to talk about?
0: So yeah, I just wanted to, to kind of in memoriam to Barry Norman really, who sadly passed away at, I believe at the age of 83 this week, um, and I just wanted to talk a bit about Barry Norman really, and just the the impact he had on me as a a film fan growing up. Yeah, I I mean, um, we
1: we should fill in. For those people that don't know, uh, Barry Norman was sort of a a preeminent British film critic who, particularly well-known, I think you'd agree, for the film iterations year on year. So I think he started in the 1970s. Which is is the BBC,
0: um, probably the the major film television, Flagship BBC
1: review show for films. Yeah, so he's sort of our Roger
0: Ebert to a certain degree. I would say that's a fair fair. Um, fair comparison, yeah. But so,
1: where did you encounter him first? Just know.
0: on on BBC, really. I think my dad always used to watch. Uh, my dad always used to watch his show, and I just think he was, you know, he was, he was. I would say he was my first encounter with a professional film critic, really. Mm. Um, and you know, going back and looking at some of his reviews now, you know, you're never always going to agree with a film critic, but I think he was, um, he was a good one. I think, um, and he, he kind of he kind of forged a path for for film criticism on TV, certainly. Yeah, I think it's it's right what you say. I mean, you're never going
1: to agree with a, a film critic in there in, you know, all of their output and Barry Norman as well as the the TV based stuff that he did was for many many years the uh head film reviewer for the Radio Times. My pet, pa- again to to explain to anyone not listening to this in the UK, the Radio Times is like uh, the TV guide. And um, my parents got this every single week or every two weeks um, and Barry Norman's reviews sort of taught me not only to appreciate film in a slightly different way but also form some of my opinions in um, I guess uh, against some of the things that he was saying or or, yeah Um, I wouldn't agree with everything that he said but that would make me think harder about why I didn't agree with him I suppose is what
0: I'm trying and failing to say um, I agree with that well, you've, you've got and, and before, before we move on you've met him didn't you Pete? I, I, I
1: did meet him yeah I had the chance to meet him when he came to the um, Cheltenham Literature Festival obviously this film podcast is coming to you from Cheltenham in the south west of England if you didn't know and we have quite a good um, literature festival here that attracts all kinds of big names Barry Norman was one of them just a few yeah. short years ago actually and uh, I lined up to meet him afterwards and get something signed and share a couple of words and unfortunately in this meeting I think I managed to offend him uh, quite a bit. Um, not deliberately, I should add. It was all about the fact that... I think, basically, we didn't get off on a good footing because I didn't buy his new hardback book, which was about 35 quid. I bought an older film review, film criticism thing that he'd written. Was it by another critic? Or was no, actually by, it, was it was by, by him. His, least, but yeah. it, was, it was older and it was cheaper and maybe he didn't appreciate that to begin with to some extent. He was probably tired. He'd be doing a long talk. His presentation was very interesting. However... Um, I mentioned to him, or I asked him a question about film criticism and where he saw it going in sort of the age of digital criticism and online stuff and YouTube and, and whatever. Like
0: us appearing, for example.
1: Right, <laughs> and he sort of balked at this question and snapped back something about how if he wants a reliable review, he's not going to listen to like some teenager on the internet. This is almost a bait in what he said. If you want to listen to a teenager on the internet, he's going to go to Philip French for his reviews in the, okay. um, in the Observer, and yeah. I. Probably shouldn't have, but pointed out that Philip French had very recently lost his job. Now I know Barry Norman would have been aware of this, and I know him and Philip French were were close, and I respect that film critic a great deal. Both of them, really. Mm. So I didn't mean to sort of put the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of that discussion. It was simply that I wanted a guy with that much authority to tell me where he thought things were going, having yeah. been in that game for like fifty years of his life, you know. So more perhaps. So yeah, this is all to say that. I think Barry Norman was a critic for me that I that I often disagreed with but I think that made me a clearer thinker about films in the long run anyway and his com- his commitment to film and his passion sort of evident for everybody to see. I would
0: agree with that and I think he he um him coupled with my actual dad um kind of Kind of, he, he kind of taught me to be more interested in films and look a little bit deeper, uh, and probably stoked the passion for films that's led us to do, led us to where we are now, doing a podcast. Yeah, one example. of many, so, um, but, but a very yeah. important
1: one of many. And I want to mention a, a bit of information that I picked up in in reading back on uh, stuff related to Barry Norman and his passing. His father, I don't know if you knew Paul, but um, Leslie Norman was actually a film director himself, oh, did um, know that, director yeah. and producer. And he, in 1958, made a film by the name of Dunkirk. Uh, all about the beach landings at Dunkirk. Now, we've got Christopher Nolan's offering with the same name, uh, not very far away at all, and I had no idea that Barry Norman's father was was a... A filmmaker of some acclaim I think so um, yeah r- really interesting yeah. stuff and he will be missed I think yes, in the but, yeah. UK film community and far
0: beyond actually but yes rest in peace Barry Norman
1: indeed so that brings us to the end of the in, in the foyer section um, we will soon be getting onto popcorn movies that's a section in which Paul and I review the films that we've seen in the last seven days and that's coming up about now
0: So... My first popcorn movie this week, Pete. Um, if I may go first, because I've just told you that I'm going <laughs> yeah, to. so going to, Apparently, yeah, I've just jumped in there. Go so. ahead, pop um, off, Like pop, it's traditional for popcorn. Yes, yeah, so this just is pop off yeah. whatever you want. So this is, uh, and my pronunciation is probably going to be all over the shop it here. Is. This is um, Bonjour Tristesse, I believe. Uh, ah, Bonjour Tristesse, which is French <laughs> for "Hello Sadness." Oh, okay, um, I'll stop I'm laughing. taking a guess that it's French, but I think it is with the word "Bonjour" in there. "Hello Sadness." Um, this is a 1958 kind of Golden Age Hollywood film directed by Otto priminger um the re i want to give the reason i've watched this actually first is that um my other half my lovely girlfriend laura uh, bought a saul bass poster book um and has started framing some posters and putting them up um in the hallway of our flat and they all look very nice but of the posters we picked i'd only seen about three of the films so i thought basically i can't have a poster up in my house of a film that i haven't actually watched um, which is and a lot of these are to be directed by Otto Preminger so this is quite interesting for me to go back to uh, the kind of golden age of Hollywood period which is not which is a big gap in my knowledge to be honest so tell us about the film yes I will I will tell you about the film so this is um, starring um, Gene Seberg, Jean, Jean Seberg, Seberg and David Niven um, who play a very a, a father and daughter um, pairing who have a very kind of weird and almost playfully controversial uh relationship so they kind of it's at times seems like they're flirting um it's almost deliberately done to kind of toy with the audience expectations i think um it's it's lavishly shot um it looks fantastic in the style you might expect gene seenberg i think went on to do either did before or after this did breathless Mm. Um, and then tragically, I think died a few years later. I think I don't think she can handle the fame. I I don't know that with any certainty, but that's certainly what it looked like from the little reading I've done of it. Um, yeah, so it's um it was a very it was a very different film. Um, certainly an oddity. Um, and it was it works out. It it's quite nice. It kind of defle- It use interesting use of black and white and color in there as well. So kind of it's it's black and white when she's sad and colour when she's happy it kind of flashes back there's some great dance routines in there um it i'm trying not to ruin it as you can tell i'm struggling to kind of sum it up without spoiling it really but it's it certainly it's certainly a, a a kind of golden age oddity but mm. one that's one that's well worth a look especially if you're into that kind of the kind of classic acting and that kind of thing i struggle a little bit with some of the performances in it because i for me that kind of age of hollywood you kind of get, I would say, more of a theatre style of acting. If you see where I'm coming from, where everyone it can on, seem a, a bit, bit stagey. A, it seems a bit stagey, which is something, which is probably why there's gaps in my knowledge from the kind of the golden age of Hollywood era, really. But I'd say for anyone, really, it's certainly worth a look is it up there with like the fifth house film
1: for example <laughs> uh, it's certainly <laughs> um,
0: it's better than house five um, and it was better than machine girl which i watched immediately afterwards but put, I'm not put that on the poster put that on the poster for this machine one girl, yeah. so sorry the title once again uh, bonjour Trittesse. Nice. Oh, hello sadness i will check
1: it out um taking a complete left turn from there my first review this time around on popcorn movies relates back to a coming attraction that i did a few weeks ago that is the new biopic of rapper uh, deceased rapper this is all eyes on me I was quite excited I guess there was a bit of trepidation coming in I mean straight out of Compton did a pretty good job which I'm still not caught up with of telling the story of like a significant period in hip hop you hoped that All Eyes On Me would do a sort of similar thing with a clearer focus on on Tupac and his world obviously this is a guy who had a lot to draw interest further than the sort of west coast, east coast, latter day stuff that people sort of know all about whether they're sort of white suburban kids or inner city kids it doesn't really matter Um, before that this guy came from an interesting background his mother struggled with drug addiction but at the same time worked hard to educate her son and also was part of the Black Panthers movement with her I believe second husband who really sort of pushed in in that direction so Tupac came from this background that that made him sort of um, conscious and switched on to the world around him and also with a sort of propensity for um, resistance where resistance was necessary I suppose the problems, then, um, about All Eyes on Me don't lie in the performance. The guy who took the role of Tupac Shakur is called Demetrius Ship Jr. I didn't know about him going in, but I think his look is good. Um, he does a pretty good job of mimicking some of the mannerisms of Tupac Shakur. The problem is here that the, cent- the guy at the centre of this was so charismatic when he spoke whether in rap form or just in interviews and stuff like that it's very hard to get that sort of wattage of charisma over from anybody who isn't the guy yeah. himself but that performance isn't the problem it's pretty much all of the other performances um, they're
0: sort of do you they, think this was just made very cheaply and quickly because Straight of Compton did reasonably I, well
1: I have a feeling that might be part of it I mean um, Benny Boom is the director again didn't know a lot about him he hadn't done loads before this the film has got into some hot water with a number of people Um, Jada Pinkett Smith her representation a character bearing her name has a significant role in the the rise of, of Tupac Shakur but She's not happy with the way that she was depicted, and at least, or even, has said that some of the scenes are just entirely fabricated and they never took place, and they've just been using far too much license.
0: It doesn't really help as I
1: um, imagine. Yeah, there, there are there are rappers in the game like now who've had very like mean stuff to say about this film. Mm. Um, the performances with people like the actor who plays Biggie Smalls is like turned down to about naught point five, right. so as he's almost completely uncommunicative, and you don't get any idea why Biggie Smalls became. The huge figure in rap that he did and sold so many units, you know, and, and gathered such a big fan base so quickly. Um, you've got a, a really fucking bizarre Snoop Dogg performance. They've dubbed in the voice of the actual living Snoop Dogg right. onto the lip syncing of the actor who looks almost like you look pretty much as similar to snoop dogg <laughs> as this guy did so it's really weird like he walks into for scenes... the
0: listeners who haven't worked it out that's not much like snoop dogg i want <laughs> to make that clear that, that's <laughs> yeah that's what that's supposed to do um yeah he, he sort of
1: walks into scenes and then they turn him like two-thirds away from the camera so that you don't pay too much attention to the fact that he's oh, wow, okay. nothing like one of the most identifiable rappers in, yeah. in rap history so yeah it, and the, the final point on this like the storytelling here is so sort of leaden the first half minimum first half is just like do you remember when that thing like he's doing an interview and you know, there's the framing yeah. device like we had in Jackie where someone's being interviewed and then they jump yes. into the action so it's like do you remember when that thing happened and he's like oh yeah I remember that and then they go into that scene okay. to show that and then he's like oh but then of course you ran into trouble with uh, Suge Knight or whatever oh yeah I remember what happened with Suge and then they go into that. it's just like right, okay. a to b to c to d yeah This film is two hours and 20 minutes in length. It's ridiculously overstuffed and it's really just uninventive in the way it tells the story. So a
0: missed opportunity then, you
1: think? A a sadly and badly missed opportunity, man. Really very little to recommend it. I mean, if you're into Tupac, you'll enjoy it because some of the stage performances are kind of kinetic and the guy has got a presence and he's, like I say, doing his best. But like, badly missed opportunity, Yeah, really badly missed.
0: What have you got next? Um, another missed opportunity, in, oh! in all honesty, would be uh, would be up next for us. This is um, a film that I didn't realise was was a Netflix-exclusive effort, but it turns out is, I believe, a Netflix-exclusive effort, certainly in the UK at least, um, which is The Circle, directed by James Ponsel. We previewed this as well. We did preview this, yeah, and the trailer uh, looks quite intriguing. Um, you've got Emma Watson as a... A, well, initially she works in the office I think of an energy company and then uh, gets recruited and is very excited to work for a company called The Circle who is essentially like Google Facebook or Facebook or, yeah. pretty much Facebook to be honest um, and they um, as you might imagine in the Hollywood Hollywood sort of takedown of a, of a tech company they monitor everything she does they make sure she's on social media um, the crux of it is she ends up live broadcasting her life to the world via The Circle um, but as you might expect in this kind of film, everything is not as it seems. Um, and Tom Hanks, seemingly lovely sort of uh, CEO of uh, the Circle, is uh, a little bit more sinister than he initially lets on.
1: It sounds a bit like, isn't it, in Grand Theft Auto V, where there's like that uh, overbearing tech company that's yeah, similar ill. It's, similar it's, ilk, it's right? a little
0: bit like that. The, the, the problem with the film, though, is it's just frankly very, very dull, and, and just not a lot happens. I mean, we've we've seen this kind of stuff before with Black Mirror. Um, and to uh, and, and to header, I would imagine. From yeah, what and I'm to a, to a similar extent, um, and I believe I've brought this up before. The Miami Meow Meow Beans episode on Community is kind of similar to similar to this kind of thing, and it's just done a lot better in in Black Mirror. It's a, it's a lot more exciting. The film's just a bit dull. Like, there's nothing really wrong with the performances. Tom Hanks is is good in that role. I, I quite like Emma Watson. Um, you've got John the Bubba Yeager. John Ba Yeager turns up in this. He's he's kind of cool. Um, Karen Gillan from Doctor Who and Guardians of the Galaxy is in there so it's a decent cast and the cast is quite exciting it's just it's just very very flat it just it plods along at such a boring pace it's just like okay she's at work now I don't really want to see how it's sort of two hours of her just milling around the circle campus with right. a load of hipster people that aren't very likeable really and it just yeah, so there's no tension. Maybe may a bit like how I felt about Steve Jobs, that movie, right? It might be yeah. i was Steve say, Jobs yeah. movie
1: because I just found it to be like the least interesting part of a tech company, just for a very long time.
0: Yeah, and I think the part of the problem, part of the problem with the circle is it, it might have been more interesting had this not been done better elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean uh, and the, considerably better on elsewhere the same well.
1: platform. You mentioned Black Mirror. I mean uh, Daniel Kielua from Get Out yep. is in that. Uh, I think it's called Ten Thousand Credits or something like that. The Black Mirror episode, yep. which is a really fantastic and interesting take on. The kind of insidious and way of social the other, media takes on our, yeah, our lives. Yeah, there's the
0: episode as well where it might be this where everyone's filming people on the cameras. Yeah, yeah. There's and the, episode. and there's the episode, bits of, there seems to be bits of that. The circle just seems to be mashed together from bits of Black the, Mirror episodes. The Bryce Dallas Howard episode as well yes. is fantastic. So yeah, basically yeah. just go watch Black Mirror and forget about
1: it from the sounds of things. Uh,
0: yeah, you've, you've basically summed it up for me there, so thank you. Uh, you're you're have, very welcome. <laughs> what have you got next?
1: Well, dude, I, I don't want us to be like just those guys is moaning about everything but my, I'm afraid my, my second review <laughs> isn't glowingly positive either, um, it's an interesting film, I'll give it that much, it's called The Captive, and interesting fr- is not a word interesting is a word when it's that's, this. that's from a film it, that you sent me in a minute it's the, uh, it's the <laughs> subversive way in, it, in which British people use the word interesting um, because it was uh, Atom Egoyan released this movie in 2014 and it was roundly jeered and booed I believe at the Cannes Film Festival in that year and um, yeah, so Atom Egoyan is is this Canadian filmmaker. He's had a long sort of storied career, and some of his work, by all accounts, is very very interesting. What we have is um, Ryan Reynolds in a leading role, also a Canadian actor. He's got this Canadian link. It, it's *The
0: Captive*, isn't it? I'm not sure you said the title. *The anyway. Captive*. Yeah, I said at the beginning, but okay.
1: I talk over myself probably. Um, yeah, he plays the, the lead role. He's a guy in um, seemingly oh I think it's Niagara so sort of rural Canada close to the falls right um, where his daughter is with him at a certain point and is taken somewhere um, not like that Liam Neeson movie is taken somewhere then we've got this film that's set in these kind of um, snow banks and um, yeah, snow drifts and sort of the film sets up quite a sort of woozy sense of disorientation And you are there with this father who's in the worst possible position, you know, feeling responsible and horribly guilty about losing his daughter. However, it then takes a turn into just just silly, um, badly handled, slightly, if not very irresponsible um, handling of sort of sexual abuse rackets and paedophilia. Um, Scott Speedman has a a role that that starts off sinister and just becomes ridiculous by the end of the film Um, the unbelievably um, beautiful Rosario Dawson is in this and even she cannot save it in fact I think that the moment where the film Jumps the shark is Rosario Dawson wears a dress that is just so beautiful <laughs> that everybody loses the plot and doesn't know what okay. film they were making anymore. So yeah, the, the captive is it's interesting, but you'll you'll get about halfway through and think oh, I'm I'm with this. I'm quite into it. It's it's really kind of edgy kind of thriller territory, and you'll get to the end of it and sort of wish you hadn't bothered I'm in the second half. Yeah,
0: which is a shame. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go more positive. Um, Let's work through much, those homework films. Very yeah. much more positive, I think. With you sent me Captain Fantastic, didn't you? I believe, Pete. Yep. Um, directed by one Matt Ross, or as some people might know, Gavin Belson from Silicon Valley, which is awesome, and uh, yeah, it took me by surprise. Um, Vigo Mortensen is superb in this, um, and I think probably deserved the Best Actor Oscar over over Casey Affleck. I thought oh, he, did. he was, yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. Jack Mills on the mic. Um, yeah. You know it's yeah. an important point yeah. when yeah. producer Jack gets involved. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, it's I one of just, my films. And I have to say, it was, it could have been very irritating. I know you've talked about this in a previous episode, so I can't keep this brief. This is the kind of film that could have been very, very irritating with the, hip, the kind of hipster lifestyle he's living... His kids are living in the woods after his wife has sadly taken her own life. And it could have been very trite. It could have been I mean, they're sweet. not knowingly
1: hipsters, are no, they, at that point? More, but yeah, I can but see But it could have been removed. very annoying.
0: Um, and but for the most part, it wasn't. It was just very, very well put together. I have to say, though, I didn't like the end. I thought the end felt very tacked on. I thought perhaps... That the director had one end in mind, and the studio made him shoot potentially a longer ending for it. That's what let the film down. It only drops it from, say, five stars to four stars. I'd still say, uh, Miss Captain Fantastic is well worth a watch. Um, which is I say a lot. I see, I see your life in there, Pete. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Slightly disappointed by the end, but thank you. I enjoyed it. Um, okay,
1: uh, taking us out of this section my final review is a homework actually from a couple of homeworks ago because I'm playing catch up at the moment this is Aftermath this uh, film, not to be confused with another film called Aftermath came out a couple of years ago or whatever that Eli Roth one was was called uh, this stars Arnold Schwarzenegger playing sad, 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 sad and then a bit sad um, and Scoot McNary playing self-loathing self-loathing and then a bit more self-loathing uh, it pivots on a moment of uh, uh, I don't know uh, stupidity ne- negligence whatever by Scoot McNary, who plays a t- air traffic controller. Apparently, in air traffic control towers, you can just like leave your headphones on the side and then, yes, then go to another place. That was uh, and yeah. then you can just kind of, if you don't pay attention for a couple of seconds, planes just crash into each other in the sky. No spoilers uh, here because that's uh, I think front and center in this movie. Right? Yep. It's a disaster. It's kind of Scoot McNary's fault. Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to track him down and wreak havoc. What did you think? Uh, it is one of those films not unlike something like Rabbit Hole with Nicole Kidman which is about the death of a child or um, in another direction Antichrist or something like that where the film is such unrelenting sadness from beginning to end you sort of feel like I'm not I'm not quite sure why this exists because I don't think it's handled well enough dramatically. I don't think the people there have maybe got the chops. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger's doing better work than I've seen in a lot of other performances. It's
0: just a, the film's just a slog, isn't
1: it? Without it, any it real is, payoff. It because is a slog. I mean, yeah. I think Scoot McNary's fine and I've defended him many times. I think he's a very good actor. I think he does fine here and he's very committed. Everyone's kind of earnestly committed, but that doesn't necessarily make for a good film. And this just feels like, yeah, as you said, a, a slog, a slog to get through. Um, and not it's not going to cheer anyone up. Well, I, no, I, I, no I
0: apologise for... Uh, Sending it your way, but <laughs> uh, Ma- Maggie Grace is in it though,
1: and she's being sort of bland as ever, getting away with a lot of that. Maggie's still Grace. ageless, as yeah. you, I believe you've one of your her, reviews. Her, her ageless face yes. gets her a lot of work, yeah. Um, well, that brings us to the end of popcorn movies, which means that we're very excited to get on to the next section, which
0: will be Paul feature reviews. Which it will, will be, be feature, feature reviews of Octa and Baby Driver, and that will be about now.
1: So, Paul, we have both been talking about Okja for quite a long time on this here show, uh, not least because of the director. The director is Bong Joon-ho, the director of recently Snowpiercer and all the way back to things like uh, Memories of Murder and The Host, uh, South Korean-based films that really built his name and smashed all, kind of Asian, all kinds of Asian box office records. Now we get his new film, his second English-language film, although... We should say that this isn't entirely in the English language. There is uh, the Korean and there is also maybe some Japanese in this film, as with the previous one, Snowpiercer. Uh, however, very well-known English cast members, among them uh, Tilda Swinton and Paul Dano and... Um, and
0: Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. of course. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's
1: Ageless Face 2. Um, this one, though, courted a bit of controversy, as we detail before, because... It has been purely released through the Netflix platform with no cinematic release aside from premieres and festivals. The big question off the top was this the right decision to release it on Netflix and
0: was it the right decision really to release it at all? What's good about Opja? Um Starting on the Netflix question, um, I see no harm in releasing it on Netflix and I, you know, as, I, as I've said many times before, the chances of us actually seeing this. In *Cineworld* and Cheltenham, I'd say, it, despite the the starry cast, I would say, would be very slim. Um, so I have no issue um, with Netflix releasing this in the slightest. Yeah, well, I tried
1: to argue with you about this on the show before, and you said, "Well, yeah, did we get a release of Snowpiercer? No, no. we didn't." And the Blu Ray no. took a hundred
0: years to actually yeah. be released. I don't over think it's still to... out in the UK. I actually ship mine in from Korea. So yeah, there's so... not really a way to yeah. argue against that. In um, terms of people who don't live in, and major what cities. I will say before we before we get into the actual film itself, I want to give Netflix um, all the credit in the world because the technical the technical level of this release on Netflix was quite frankly fucking awesome. The 4K HDR looked amazing. And this is the first time uh, Netflix have launched something in Dolby Atmos sound as well. Mm. So the picture was stunning. It sounded amazing. Although you, need, you immediately need the setup to do it. Um, it looked better than the film in the cinema. You have to um, though don't you? Paul? I do have you to have stab, Yeah, don't just, just, just to <laughs> drop that in. Yeah, um, but it looked and sounded like it's second to none. It looked, it looked and sounded as good as any four K Blu Ray I've seen, and that's saying something for a streaming service. So, well done, Netflix. You've done themselves proud. But before we get into the film, Pete, set it up a little bit for us. So um,
1: um, I'll be brief. It, the film is based around uh, this idea that's set up very early on that um, because of shortages in food and a growing population in the quite near future, uh, a plan is undertaken by a sort of um, seemingly benevolent company, global organisation, whereby they are going to breed super pigs that apparently have been discovered through um, like luck in South America somewhere I think and these super pigs are going to be distributed I think it's 12 15 or something locations all around the world they're then going to be grown to maturity and those pigs are going to be whittled down to the number one pig that's then going to be used for um, future generations of super pig and ultimately to create food to feed the world Tilda Swinton is at the head of this operation so she presents herself in all a sort of flamboyant turned up to 11 uh, sort of crazy one a little bit like she did in a different direction in snowpiercer yes um then you've got the end at least right then you've got jake gyllenhaal working as a um television wildlife presenter who's brought kind of under the wing of that organization to promote this whole operation and you bring in also a small girl called uh who is a South Korean. She lives with her grandfather in the hills in the Korean countryside, and she is going to be raising one of these super pigs. That super pig is called Okja. Yep. And she becomes close and quite attached to Okja through hours and hours and hours yep. spent sort of playing and frolicking on the hills yep. whilst her grandfather sort of whittles sticks and, and sort of prepares yeah. fish broth and stuff does like Korean that. Does Korean thing. Does, does that <laughs> Korean countryside shit, yeah? And, uh, yeah, so obviously we're going to get to a point in this film where the pig is going to have to be reunited with the organization and this maybe isn't going to work out too well for the yeah. little girl
0: no that's a, that's a good sound. um well we're done here then we are yeah <laughs> done. we're out um i i absolutely adore this film I, I just thought it was genuinely nothing short of magnificent um okja herself has got so much character that in places the film genuinely feels like it almost feels like live action studio ghibli um the kind of the moments as you were just describing there on the hillside when she nearly falls off and Octo saves her from the, the cliff side amazing not, animation heart, as well of yeah. the actual creature Your heart I mean. melts that like you mm. are you are totally attached to octa to you can see the appeal that and then you've got the you've got some, uh, some amazing set pieces the chase sequence through the shopping center later on um oh, is just just show so stopping fun. yeah
1: like, i didn't mention a moment ago and i meant to this is got to Go down as the first Netflix exclusive blockbuster. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what yeah. else you would. It's not going to be no. The it, you or know, whatever. it
0: certainly it certainly justifies the money they spent on it. I think it looks fantastic. Um, I said I it's probably quite possibly my favourite film I've seen this year. Um, it's got the madcap energy you'd expect from the director in there. Um, and that won't be to everyone's taste. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, although I liked it, not everyone will like um, at all. With some people, um, and just, just. Without just to sum up my thoughts, and I, I love the end. It, it's very bittersweet. Don't expect to come out of this in some kind of happy-go-lucky kind of Disney ending, because without spoiling it, it, it doesn't go in that direction at all. It might leave you feeling a bit differently about the food that you eat. It will say, leave right? you a bit differently about the food you eat, and I think to its credit, it does that. It, you know, it, it has a, it has a message to tell, and it tells it, and it doesn't hold back. Um, so I would say, if you're thinking about letting your kids watch it, for example, I'd probably think twice. Um, but that is to the film's credit. I I genuinely loved it. For me, it, it didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, I can I know that some other people haven't liked it quite as much as I did. But at the moment, it might well be my film of the year so far. Um, so I mentioned a few of the the cast. I think uh, as we
1: said, uh, Tilda Swinton I think is is very good here and she's having a great deal of fun. I might fall on the other side of the J. Dillan Hall performance. <laughs> I you know how much affection I have for that guy. I think yeah he went like. Balls to the wall for this performance, and I think at at times it feels a bit like scenery chewing but having said that I want to focus on another performance that I think is really good and an actor who I think is always really good and that's Paul Dano yep. I think his role in this film oh, he's is, awesome, is so well handled like so deadpan and so in lockstep with the director's style because from way back with things like The Host I don't know if you remember the sequence in The Host where uh, the girl goes missing and the entire family starts crying about the girl who's missing mm. and then it turns into this sort of comedic like flip comedic scene where everybody's trying to cry harder than everybody else yeah, that's a hard sensibility to convey as an actor, particularly yeah. if you've not worked with this director before. I think Paul Dano is, is maybe at the top of the list in terms of those who, who really get the person that they're working with on, on the project. Giancarlo Esposito from, uh, well, Breaking Bad and yeah. all the way back to like Do the Right Thing, which I rewatched. And I think you watched this week. Yeah, I watched too, this right? morning. In fact, yeah. he's he's good in this too. He doesn't have as much to do, but I think largely the performances are very very good. I want to say something that's maybe not as positive about Okja How if, I'm dare about, you. if I'm allowed to. <laughs> um, I felt like you mentioned the chase sequence with Okja yeah. through the um, underground mall and subway station section. I think that is such virtuoso filmmaking that unfortunately it's almost inevitable that the, the following sort of 20 minutes maybe feels a bit flat.
0: How dare you, Peter? How dare you? I just felt with
1: this film that like there's so much of it that I love, and then there was a bit of a lull, um, sort of moving towards the third act, perhaps, that left me feeling a bit like... Once the action got to the United States, that's where I felt like the wheels didn't fall off, but they just started to like wiggle from side to side a little bit, and it sort of lost a tiny bit of its direction. It pulls that back round, because as you've mentioned, I mean... Some of those images that you see in the in the final section oh, of, the, of the film, which we, as Paul said, we're not going to spoil, but are not only amazing visually, but are also really like affecting and just just well handled. So, so much to recommend Octa that my little quibble with it, I think, should probably yeah. be drowned out by like all the the positive stuff, right?
0: Yeah, no, fair. I mean, yeah, you know, you know my thoughts. I said it's it's. I just I loved it. So I think from both of us then that's a a big thumbs up oh 100% yeah I mean if you have the Netflix platform which you know so many
1: people do these days you would be a fool to miss out on this one it's it's right there for you you know take a Friday or Saturday night uh, yeah get some friends over it's it's so much fun so much
0: I mean yeah not all fun
1: not all fun but in the running time yeah your emotions are going to go all over the place I think
0: but fun then um, would be I think a good description of our next feature review uh, which is Edgar Wright's uh, Baby Driver indeed um, now this stars Ansel Elgort uh, Jamie Fox John Hamm who am I missing here amongst others uh, Kevin Sky Spacey
1: Ferrara uh, Lily James is the love interest in, in this thing so it's got quite an
0: eclectic cast Lily James
1: of course was Cinderella not long ago in the yeah. kind of uh, version of that uh, yes, yes. tale uh, yeah but I think you've covered the main players um Probably the film with the second best chase sequence that we've watched this week, right?
0: <laughs> After the one that, that we've just talked about in Oxford. Yes, yes. Um, do you want to set it up, Pete, as, as you usually do so eloquently?
1: Can, can I can have a go? Um, so Baby Driver, firstly, I think, maybe unfortunately titled film, but we'll get onto that later. Uh, Baby Driver focuses on a character whose apparent name is Baby. Uh, he is also a driver, believe it or not. He doesn't drive any babies anywhere, don't get it <laughs> twisted, but... He seems to be somewhat uh, removed from the rest of the people in the world because he constantly has uh, his sort of Apple-branded earbuds in his ears listening to various iPods. And from the very first and quite brilliant, I think, sequence... Uh, his role as a getaway driver in heists for a gang of sort of ne'er-do-wells is soundtracked by his own personal soundtrack being pumped into his ears. We find out that the reason that he has these soundtracks uh, all the time and doesn't listen to the world around him is because he has bad tinnitus or I think they call it tinnitus or something mm. like that in the, in the American pronunciation of the film. Um, from this point we get to meet the various members of his group gang he doesn't really want to be a part of that life but there are reasons that we learn later as to why he's sort of trapped there he tries to make an escape from the group because of the burgeoning interest he has in lily james's character but he's pulled back in for maybe one last job we've seen this kind of set up before but because this is edgar wright it's going to be handled with like all this kind of colorful kinetic flair that we've come to know from things like well everything from Shaun of the dead to uh, Scott Pilgrim vs the World and, yeah. and, and and pretty much everything in between. In fact, back as far as Spaced. I yeah. mean, if you watch that British series, you know how sort of creative Edgar Wright can be as a director. Yeah. You like this a lot. I like it too. But come at me. What what did you like about
0: it? I think it, it, it's refreshingly different. I think as one might expect from Edgar Wright. So as much as the trailer made it seem generic, I quite liked the the you know the kind of opening heist where it actually just focuses on Baby listening to his music in the car rather than the actual bank heist themselves. I think that that worked very well. The car chases were, I thought, absolutely fantastic. The set pieces were superb, um, and I thought the film was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, but I am <laughs> going to say, <laughs> just, sorry, I shouldn't. Yeah. Have, just yeah. the way you said that I was so serious. Yes, yeah, like, a, a lot of fun. of fun. however, however, and okay. I've seen, because I've seen this film get a lot of a lot of love out there, and I can don't get me wrong. I'm not. This is not to say that I didn't enjoy it because I did. But I've seen this film get a lot of love, almost as much love as I played on Octa earlier. I didn't like the character of Baby. I found him irritating from the outset. Now, maybe because I've never really enjoyed Ansel Elgort on screen, um, I just didn't really like the character of Baby, and for that reason, I, kind of, I didn't warm to the film as much as I thought I would. I just thought some of the scenes with him dancing were a little bit irritating. I don't really get his appeal to the love interest and that kind of thing i just thought he was just a little bit flat and lacked a little bit of heart and in fact and i did was threatened with legal action by a friend of mine if i did bring up another problem with the film that i couldn't put my finger on so i'm going to quote him. thank you sam um you did bring up the fact that there doesn't seem to be there isn't really any sense of threat to any of the characters and i think that lets it down a little bit so i i think it's a lot of fun but with a couple of flaws yeah I mean I would say isn't that something that we've sort of come to expect from Mega Wright though
1: is that we're going to get sort of hyper violence for comedic effect but it's not really ever going to put anyone in any particular peril right I mean like yeah, going back that's
0: to maybe true yeah
1: uh, no, I'm not saying that that's for good or bad but like go back to something like um, what's the end of the world what's that called with the pubs and the, uh, pub the world's people, end sorry yeah the world's end uh, in that you had all that kind of like blue liquid that came yeah. out of people and stuff like that I suppose there was no threat there either was there yes. no I, I think that um the the worlds of Edgar Wright are so sort of hyper stylised that they are as removed from sort of reality as Quentin Tarantino, but just in a sort of like more bubble gum um, sort of, I I don't know. I I don't want to sound too pejorative because I do like Edgar Wright. In fact, there are sequences in this. I want to come at, you know, what you were saying about um, the the central performance. I think I, I roughly agree with you. And there was a part of me as the film played out where I thought, yeah, no, I am right. Like I, I'm not a massive sort of fan of, of Edgar Wright. Like, I think he's very talented, but I don't. The films just don't strike me mm. in in any way that gets my pulse racing. And that's what I heard from everyone. Like, this is like a really thrilling movie. But then something happened towards the the second half of this film where I just find myself sort of smiling, like involuntarily okay, I agree, smiling. Yeah, I
0: agree, and for the most part, it, it was a lot of fun. The, the the also the the soundtrack needs to be needs to be raised. I think the decision to use. Not very well-known songs from very well-known bands. I thought was genius, and I thought that worked really, really well. And again, made it feel a bit different. It just there was there was something refreshing about this that I that I felt I hadn't seen before. And I, you know, as I said, you know, negative, slight slight negatives aside, I did very much like this film.
1: Mm. Best performance for me. Well, I've got it in mind what's yours because you said Antal Elgort you don't like so much but who did you
0: have a I quite like Jamie Foxx this time around and I'm not normally Jamie Fox. yeah time. I mean yeah. we've
1: just watched not long ago that that shitty casino Jamie Foxx movie where he's got that son who can't act to save his Sleepless. life thank you yeah, yeah. Uh, and where I just thought he, he was asleep for, yeah. for most of that film in this yeah no he's he's got the beats for this character down. Yeah. I think absolutely right I wanted to mention though as well John Hamm
0: yes because i think <laughs> he john, awesome, john
1: ham is an actor you know everybody knows him from mad men uh, as don draper and like a guy who is so effortlessly sort of charismatic and charming that sometimes it can feel like he's sort of just uh, coasting on that a little bit yeah. and i don't think that's the case here at all i think the character that he gets is a bit more sinister than maybe what he usually plays or in a different way sinister in a different way and sort of rough around the edges and he really commits to it and I think that his performance stood out like it felt like he was doing more than maybe he is usually tasked with doing in in roles at least more minor roles that he gets in movies off the back of the Don Draper fame that has sort of mushroomed around his his personality so yeah I thought he was really really good in this and having gone into it as a bit of an Edgar Wright sceptic I come out of it feeling similar but I smiled involuntarily. So what can I say? I can't be mad at a film that makes you do
0: that. I came out with it because I'm not a Nickel Wright skeptic, and I love him. Um, I came out with, with it with an ever, ever such a slight sense of disappointment for Baby Driver. Ever so slight, ever so slight. But still, a lot to recommend. Yes. Well, Paul, that brings us to the end
1: of the uh, features section. That was exciting, wasn't it? Um, brings us It ex- was Pete, yes. <laughs> that, that's a Paul Anderson patented yes. uh, excitement <laughs> yeah, yeah. level there. Uh, but brings us to the homework section in which we're going to assign something. And yes. um, what have you got for me this week? Um,
0: I've got the link this week is the Vigo Mortensen link. Um, and this is a film called The Reflecting Skin, which is, I believe is a, a 90s, I would say, vampire oddity, which I reviewed on the show quite a while ago and was very, very fond of. So... um. Certainly, I believe you'd enjoy this more than Aftermath. Mm -hmm. Um, And the bonus is that it's already at your flat because I lent it to you ages ago and you haven't watched it. So, um, yeah. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, it reflects, you know, I always think of Mysterious Skin with Jason Gordon-Levitt, but it's nothing to do with that. Um, For you then, Paul, we've been raving quite a bit about Okja and also Snowpiercer and Bong Joon-ho in general. I know that when we've talked about this director, you have mentioned that you haven't yet seen Memories of Murder, which is sort of a seminal early work, 2003, um, I believe, uh, sort of police procedural, procedural investigation. Set in South Korea, so your homework for this week is memories
0: of murder. And then we can talk about Bong Joon Ho even more this year. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Then I do. I do genuinely look forward to that. Despite Pete. the tone of my voice, <laughs> yeah, I Despite do. the tone of my voice, yes. Um, Pete, as you asked me last week, I'm going to ask you this week. What is your favourite film that you reviewed this week? What my your, so your film, film of the week,
1: Pete of the week, Mr. Anderson is Okja it's going to be Okja as much as I yeah as I say smiled involuntarily increasingly towards the end of Baby Driver it is Okja despite my little quibble about maybe the structuring or the, the third into the third act I think Okja is well worth your time and just a joy for the most part
0: I would agree with that and Okja is also my film of the week double win so, yes double win um, that's about it for this week so you can catch us on uh, social media on Instagram Strangers in the Cinema Twitter, at Strangers Cinema, uh, Facebook, Strangers in the Cinema. Basically, just Google Strangers in the Cinema and you will find us. Yeah, what's the name of the show again? Uh, Strangers in the Cinema. Oh, cool, got it. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> we appreciate everyone who's listening. Tell your friend, get someone else to listen. Download the show and subscribe to the show and keep downloading it week on week. We appreciate all of your support if you've listened to us so far. Uh, thank you for that and we'll carry on doing what we're doing with with the benefit of all you guys. So, um, yeah,
0: we're out for this week, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. And
1: sit down. I
0: don't think we're gonna weapons first.